Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you far by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. They do terrific work, and you can find out more and give them a call. The website is johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have a terrific show for you today, including special guest Ryan Young. He's a senior economist with the Competitive Enterprise Institute. We'll visit with Erica Donalds, the founder and CEO of Optima Education. Phil uh, Kirpin is the president of American Commitment. And Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston in space architecture and author of about a dozen books, really interesting. And he writes his column for Newsmax.com. It's called On Point. It is July the 14th, and on the stand, 1789, Parisian revolutionaries and mutinous troops stormed and dismantled the Bastille, a royal fortress and prison that had came to symbolize the tyranny of the Bourbon monarchs. This dramatic action signaled the beginning of the French Revolution, a decade of political turmoil and terror in which King Louis the 16th was overthrown, and tens of thousands of people, including the king and his wife Marie Antoinette, were executed, beheaded, actually. Uh, by the summer of 1789, France was moving quickly towards revolution. Bernard Vernet, uh, Jordan de Lernay, a military governor of Bastille, feared the fortress would be a target for the revolutionaries and so requested reinforcements. On July the 12th, royal authorities transferred 250 barrels of gunpowder to Bastille, and Lernay brought his men into the ma- uh, massive fortress and raised the two drawbridges. At dawn on July the 14th, a great crowd armed with muskets, swords, and various makeshift weapons began to gather around the Bastille. Lunay's men were able to hold back the mob, but as more and more Parisians were converging on the Bastille, Lunay raised a white flag of surrender over the fortress. Uh, He and his men were taken into custody, and Bastille's gunpowder and cannons were seized, and the seven prisoners who were there were freed as well. Upon arriving at the Hotel de Ville, where Linet was being would be arrested and tried by a revolutionary council, he was instead pulled away by a mob and murdered on the spot. The capture of Bastille symbolized the end of the Asian uh, regime and provided the French revolutionary cause with an ir- irresistible momentum. In 1792, the monarchy was abolished and Louis and his wife Marie Antoinette <clears throat> were sent to the guillotine for treason in 1793. Uh, again, it is Bastille Day today, and uh, beginning of the French Revolution. Unlike our revolution, which was uh, really uh, the documents that uh, came out of the uh, revolution were, uh, you know, part of a, just a very thoughtful process. Uh, the revolution in France was a different type of uh, affair. This is uh, really interesting, and I I must say it's kind of buoyed by the whole thought of this. Florida Chief Financial Officer Jimmy Patronis launched the Florida IRS Transparency Portal to allow Floridians an easy method to report evidence of discrimination by Internal Revenue Service operatives. Patronis' officer said the purpose is to help Florida identify patterns of discrimination from the IRS which uh, may be targeting certain political causes, practices, or beliefs. And, of course, that, that's happened in the past. 
We deployed the Florida IRS Transparency Portal, where Floridians can submit complaints about individual IRS agents, he said. We'll take the information to look for patterns on how the IRS is targeting Floridians, which will help us craft laws to protect our businesses. The portal is housed by the Federal Chief Financial Officer's website, asks respondents to include basic personal information, business information, and provide a text box for Floridians to explain their issues with the IRS. He announced a, uh, his announcement comes as he believes President Joe Biden's administration is supercharging the IRS as, deficient, as deficit spending continues. In addition to the portal allowing the Florida government to assess patterns of discrimination, Patronus announced his office will give reports to members of Congress who help oversee the IRS. With this information, I have a better insight into how the IRS targets families and small businesses so they're more effective at reining in the agency that Biden has hell-bent on leveraging as his own political operation, he said. To me, I think this is just music to my ears because, quite frankly, we know that it occurs. Sometimes uh, we have rogue agents, and uh, they're not part of a uh, systematic operation of of, uh, discrimination, but we know that uh, the, the IRS is used in that way in the past, and I think this will be a preventive measure, perhaps eliminate or at least reduce that happening in here, at least here in Florida in the future. <clears throat> Yesterday, uh, a World Health Organization agency determined that artificial sweetener used in many diet sodas, sugar-free gum, and teas is possible carcinogen. The WHO based its classification on limited evidence from three studies that link liver cancer to aspartame. However, a separate WHO committee maintained the sweetener can be consumed at safe levels and made no changes to aspartame's daily recommended limit. For someone weighing 150 pounds, that would be about a dozen cans of diet soda a day, an amount that most people don't consume. The FDA disagreed with the WHO's new classification, saying its scientists do not have safety concerns when aspartame is used under the approved conditions. Now, my personal reaction, if it's a carcinogen, why would you put it in your body? It seems to me you would try and avoid it. We are all individuals, and we have different levels or tolerances for things in, in, uh, that we consume. And uh, then, again, just uh, my cynical nature is, uh, what is it that they're covering up or not telling us? That's a concern as well. Just thought you should know that. Well, Biden's climate envoy has spent millions of dollars, taxpayer dollars, jetting across the globe to save the planet, but he and his 45-member staff activities, expenditures, and commitments of taxpayer money are apparently accountable to no one. It's a rogue operation. An investigation by the Boston Herald reports that Kerry attends climate conferences and commits the U.S. to climate treaties and billions of dollars of spending without congressional approval, well, at least until now. House Oversight Chairman James Comer hauled Kerry before his committee yesterday to explain how he can unilaterally sign, ask how he can unilaterally sign the U.S. up for pricey climate agreements. He's not confirmed by the Senate. He's not held accountable by the American people. He's skirting congressional oversight, Comer said. He cites two examples, a billion-dollar giveaway that the White House says it will transfer to the U.N.'s Green Climate Fund to help developed countries address climate change. Kerry has also agreed to separate climate change deal in Egypt uh, last year, committing taxpayer to millions more. How is this constitutional? Congress appropriates money, not Biden bureaucrats. 
A House Appropriations Subcommittee handling the State Department's budget has just concluded a ban on funding for any envoys not authorized by Congress or confirmed by the Senate. It's about time. I don't know about you, but John Kerry, he just bloviates. He's just, he's almost a caricature of the uh, offensive politician. Well, a new report says that many solar panels uh, damaged in a hailstorm last month will likely end up in landfalls, although some panels at the Scotts Bluff Community Solar Project in Nebraska will be usable. Many will be too badly damaged, according to Cowboy State Daily. More than 90% of the panels are dumped into landfills when they are damaged, defective, or reach the end of their usefulness. As of 2030, the panels will take up about 3,000 football fields worth of landfill space. In late June, a thunderstorm dumped baseball-sized hail on a solar panel farm at a speed of 150 miles an hour, destroying the facility in just a few minutes. Cowboy State Daily reported a storm moved east out of Wyoming, where it wreaked havoc just across the state line on solar farm in Scottsbluff, Nebraska. Uh, writing for the outlet, uh, Ken Kilbo said, The hail shattered most of the panels on a 5.2-megawatt solar project, sparing an odd panel like missing teeth and a, and a white smile. Point being is, can you imagine this? Were you supposed to have this as an alternative to uh, carbon dioxide or, or to, uh, f- to fuels, energy fuels? And uh, here it's destroyed by hail in just a few minutes. Said, uh, give us pause to think about this uh, foolish uh, Green New Deal uh, movement. Well, about one third of the U.S. population, over 112 million folks, are under a heat advisory yesterday and uh, also today as heat dome bakes the south from coast to coast and it's not projected to let up over until over the weekend. Expect heat records to be broken in cities such as Phoenix and Las Vegas where temperatures could exceed. 120 degrees in Death Valley, California, the temperature could uh, blow past 130, which would be the highest temperature ever recorded in the world. Uh, Experts warn that the thermometer-busting heat can be deadly. A new article in Nature estimated that last summer's heat waves in Europe killed more than 61,000 people. So there is a heat wave, and uh, you need to take precaution. Make sure you're getting lots of water, and be careful if you're out in the sun. we're getting quite a bit of heat here as well. Well, for the first time since Ronald Reagan was president, the Screen Actors Guild, uh, both Hollywood writers and actors, will be on strike after Actors Union began its walkout yesterday. The twin strikes, which reflect frustrations over uh, pay and uh, uh, artificial intelligence guardrails, will halt all production of movies and TV shows and cause the pipeline of new content for studios to evaporate. Since this is Hollywood actors we're talking about, the strike will be more high-profile than most. Seems kind of a weird way to to, uh, approach the problem. Quite frankly, if there's a threat just standing outside the gate, uh, artificial intelligence, which could replace uh, the Screen Actors Guild as well as the uh, writers, I don't know why you would... uh, confront, I don't know why you would try and make peace or, or do it in a different way, put it that way. So, But nevertheless, this is the track they're taking, and I don't think it'll be successful, frankly. 
Mainstream media outlets have excoriated conservative Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas and Sam Alito for accompanying friends on vacations. There's never been any hint that the outcome of a case was affected or that there was an ethics violation with either of them. Now the Associated Press has finally run a story on how Supreme Court Justice Sonia Sotomayor, an Obama appointee, has used her tax-funded office staff to help sell her books. The AP reports that Sotomayor has made at least $3.7 million from her books since she joined the court in 2009. Nothing wrong with that. But freedom of information records show that Sotomayor's taxpayer-funded Supreme Court staff has consistently leaned on public institutions where she's visited to buy her books in bulk. For example, Michigan State University asked Sotomayor to come to campus, and in 2018 she spent more than $100,000 on copies of her memoir. You'd think these possible ethics violations would be make splashy headlines, but the evening newscasts, ABC's World News Tonight, CBS Evening News, and you can go on, they pretty much ignored the story, as have most papers. Sad indeed. Oh, and of course, no fingerprints or DNA turned up on the bag of cocaine found in the lobby at the White House last week, despite a sophisticated FBI crime lab analysis and surveillance footage of the area didn't identify a suspect. Can you imagine that? That's just <laughs> unbelievable. And apparently there's been, they found not only cocaine three times, but marijuana as well. Uh, so uh, the quote is, without physical evidence, the investigation will not be able to single out a person of interest from the hundreds of individuals who passed through the vestibule when the cocaine was discovered, said the Secret Service. No surprise there. Does it surprise you? This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you'll visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also, Life in Naples magazine, be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Ryan Young. He is a senior economist with the Competitive Enterprise Institute. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m., seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Mm-hmm. 
Collier County Sheriff Kevin Rambaugh says the number one reason the elderly become victims is isolation. The Collier Senior Center goes a long way in keeping seniors connected with the community and with each other. The Collier Senior Center, located at 4898 Coronado Parkway in Golden Gate, provides comprehensive information regarding services and resources that affect the quality of life of older adults and their caregivers in Collier County, empowering them to maintain independent and meaningful lives. Here's Esther Lully, director of Collier Senior Center. Everyone, every senior is welcome. There's diversity there. It's vibrant. It's a caring atmosphere. So there's a reason we offer the services and programs that we do. We want to help enrich the lives of senior members and provide support to their caregivers. Want to find out more? Visit CollierSeniorCenter.org. That's CollierSeniorCenter.org. Or call the Collier Senior Center at 239-252-4541. That's 252-4541. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in the commitment to individual liberty, <clears throat> personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. Coming up, I'm going to visit with Erica Donald. She's the CEO of Optima Education. Right now we have with us Ryan Young. He's a senior economist with the Competitive Enterprise Institute. Ryan, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thank you, Bob. Always a pleasure, Ryan. Tell us about the Competitive Enterprise Institute. We are a think tank based in Washington, and we focus on regulation, everything from antitrust to trade to environmental policy. A terrific organization, CEI.org, if I'm not mistaken. That's right. So, Ryan, uh, a lot of interesting information, including you mentioned regulations, uh, that regulations are costing each family here in the United States about $10,000 per year, uh, the, and the new regulations coming out from Biden. There's a lot of lot of a very interesting and sometimes it appears conflicting information about the economy. I was wondering if you could kind of read the tea leaves for us and tell us what's going on. Sure. The big news this week uh, was the new CPI, Consumer Price Index, which is the most common measure for inflation, mm -hmm. uh, which ever since COVID has been the biggest economic issue affecting most families. And on the surface, the news looked fantastic. Yeah. Uh, the Fed has a target inflation rate of 2% per year, and the worst of the post-COVID inflation it was up to 9%. This week's reading hit 3%, which is the best it's been since 2021 when all this started, Yeah. Uh, which is fantastic news. Until I looked under the hood, uh -huh. and it turns out there, there's a core rate um, Prices change for all kinds of reasons, having, a lot of them having nothing to do with monetary inflation, which is what we're concerned with. Um, and it turns out, when you look under the hood, uh, the real inflation rate is almost 5%. It came out at 4.8% this month. Again, much better than 9%, which is what it was at its worst. But 4.8% compared to a 2% target is still way too high, so the Fed still has some work to do. Absolutely. And, and Ryan, I mean, if I'm not mistaken, this basket of goods that helps us determine what this rate is, that, that changes from time to time, doesn't it? And sometimes conveniently to make the numbers look good. That's right. It changes every two years. Uh, just as people's shopping habits change, technology changes, all that. So they, they try to keep up. And that actually works <clears throat> to lower the apparent rate by just a fraction of a percent. So it's not 
that mm. big a deal, but it's a little bit uh, of a change to be aware of. So if you account for that, 4.8% could be 4.9, maybe even 5%. So when the Fed meets in a little less than two weeks to make its next interest rate decision, mm. the right thing for it to do is to raise interest rates again in order to slow down money creation and money circulation a little bit to get inflation back down to earth. Makes sense, Ryan. Now, the other thing that appeared to me is it appears that uh, not only is well, we borrowed a, a trillion dollars in the last, after this uh, agreement uh, between the president and Congress, but we borrowed a trillion dollars and uh, individual consumer uh, indebtedness has gone up dramatically. In fact, I think I read that uh, for people who are living paycheck to paycheck, they don't have enough money to pay off their credit cards if, in fact, they uh, uh, liquidated their savings. Any comments? Yeah, that's, I mean, the Fed, uh, the Fed's actions that it needs to do to get inflation under control, they're not without cost. They will cause pain. That's why a lot of people, including myself, uh, were expecting a recession to be on the way. If not by now, then sometime soon. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you look around the economy, GDP grew 2% last quarter, which is right at the 100-year historical average. Uh, maybe it should be better than that. Um, uh, the labor market has held steady. Employment, um, few things are could be better about that, but the overall unemployment rate is as good as it's been in 60 years. So given all that we've been through in the economy with the pandemic and high inflation and all that Fed needs to do, um, with the potential recession risk of raising interest rates, the economy has been surprisingly resilient. So that gives me a lot of confidence that the Fed can get inflation down to earth. Mm. Even if it does trigger a recession, um, long-term high inflation is much worse than any six- or nine-month recession. So the right thing to do is to keep fighting inflation. Again, it's not without cost. And since the Fed caused a lot of this inflation in the first place, you know, we're all paying the price for cleaning up the mess that they made. Still has to be done. Yeah. Well, thank you, Ryan. Now, <clears throat> you see a lot of companies saying that they're laying off folks, that there's <clears throat> going to be cutbacks. And yet, these unemployment numbers continue to go. Is this because baby boomers are thrown in the towel and say no moss? <laughs> What's causing this? Yeah, a few things are causing it. Um, most of the layoffs are happening at bigger companies, so they're more visible. You have larger-scale layoffs involving often hundreds, if not thousands, of workers. Mm. Um, but small businesses, much more quietly because they're on a smaller scale, are actually more than making up the difference. So, for example, last month, the economy on net created over 200,000 jobs. Um that's a little slower than in previous months, but even that slower pace still annualizes to net creation of about a million and a half jobs per year. Wow. So even then, could be better, still very good news. So really the Fed, uh, inflation is the most important economic issue there is right now. All signs point to the Fed needing to have the courage to continue to raise rates, even if it gives them uh, political pressure from the administration and from Congress, and even if it does cause a little bit of pain for the rest of us who have car payments and mortgages and credit card debt to pay off. For sure. So, uh, Ryan, also, <clears throat> we've got this inverted yield curve where long-term interest rates are lower than the short-term interest rates. That's got to cause some tremendous pain for banks. Uh, is that, of course, is many times an indication of inflation or a recession coming. What are your thoughts? Um Whenever you have an inverted yield curve like that, that usually means trouble is on the way. That's another sign for concern. Mm -hmm. um, 
But when you look at what's been happening with interest rates, the Fed has raised rates, I believe, 11 times, probably soon to be 12, over the last year and change. That's very, very fast. And the, in, the long-term interest rates take a long time to turn over for bonds to mature and then new bonds be reissued to take their place. So the adjustment process is very, very slow for those bonds on the market compared to what's happening to interest rates. So in this special case, the inverted yield curve isn't necessarily a sign of big trouble. Keep an eye on it, but it's not a sign of the apocalypse. Well, that's reassuring. Again, Ryan Young, senior uh, economist with the Competitive Enterprise Institute. CEI.org is the website, a very robust website. Check it out, CEI.org. Ryan, always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Bob. My pleasure, indeed. All right, coming up, Erica Donalds. She is the CEO of Optima Education. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. you have questions about your retirement, Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratuscale Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. You're a valued professional RN. There's a path that takes you to the next level. Hodges University offers an RN to BSN program that, like you, is way above average. RNs with a BSN have a faster track to pursuing leadership positions and can see faster hourly rate increases than those with an ASN. You can earn your BSN with Hodges in just one year. Classes are online and start in August. Scholarships are available. Become the next level nursing professional. Do more. Earn more. Be more. Visit Hodges.edu today. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, changing lives through exceptional theater experiences. And you can find out more and get tickets. Visit the website, gulfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Phil Kirpin. He's the president of American Commitment. Right now we have with us Erica Donalds. She is the CEO of Optima Education. Erica, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me, Bob. Always good to talk to you. Thank you, Erica. Tell us about Optima Education. Well, as you know, Bob, and some of the listeners know and that have been following us for a few years, we started as a nonprofit foundation, uh, the board that you still sit on, that helps to start classical schools, the classical charter schools in particular, and we've opened four such schools across the state of Florida, including here at Naples, Naples Classical Academy, and the scores that just came out from those schools are absolutely excellent in those test scores, and parents are happy. Those schools are full. They have waiting lists, 
and we're opening two more of those schools in Lee County in the coming years. Uh, that gave rise to Optima Ed, another organization, a curriculum and education experience company that's now delivering classical education curriculum, not just here in Florida virtually, but we are expanding across the country. So what started as just a small idea to kind of raise the money, help start a couple schools here in Florida, has really grown and is now impacting the entire country and actually even some international schools with classical education. Isn't that fantastic? And of course, I think the uh, uh, school choice movement is really catching fire across the nation. And it's really pleasing to me to see that Florida is leading the way. Absolutely. We've been talking about this for years, Bob, about the desire to see more of a free market in education, breaking the monopoly that the public schools have, uh, where parents really haven't had an option outside of their zone public school. And here in Florida, what we have been waiting for happened this year in HB1, where they passed those family empowerment scholarships with universal applicability, no longer limited by income. This uh, family empowerment scholarship, they just approved 300,000 of these scholarships in just the first few months of the program. Wow. So this is really taking off, and we're going to see some education innovations and options, new private schools open up. It's really exciting. You know, it's surprising, 300,000. To me, usually uh, the problem is the communication and people understanding what their op uh, opportunities are. And I'm talking about parents as well as kids. But that's an amazing response to, uh, to this HB1 uh, bill. Well, and this is why universal uh, eligibility was so important. Because what we've seen is private schools are now telling all of their students and families, hey, you're eligible for this scholarship you should go get it and, and put it against your tuition. Mm. And so people will say, well, they were already paying for private school. Why should we pay for it? Well, they deserve it. They're taxpayers as well. But right. not only that, that's what's helping to spread the word. Because all of those parents who were in private schools who now have scholarships are telling their friends and neighbors who maybe couldn't afford that private school before, hey, now you can get a scholarship for $8,000 to help you afford this great option for your child. That's just great news. Erica, you, you shared that uh, the results that you've seen with regard to education results have been pretty astounding in uh, our, our charter schools. Can you elaborate? Yes, and I'm going to juxtapose that against what we've seen come out recently in terms of national scores. Right. Um, so a study was just out that we are not even growing at pre-pandemic levels across the country in terms of student proficiency and growth on grade level. Right. So not only are they not making up the ground that was lost during the pandemic, they're not even back to the same year-over-year -year growth levels that were occurring before the pandemic. So in our country, it is abysmal what we are seeing. Right. Now, differentiate that to, say, Naples Classical Academy, where we saw double-digit growth in proficiency in math and uh, even growth in reading year over year in just a second-year classical school. And this is tremendous news for our parents who are in these classical schools. Unfortunately, they are the minority when you look across the country at those who aren't even making up ground from the pandemic. Absolutely true. And, and Erica, you mentioned classical education. Uh, can you elaborate a little bit? Because it's, I think our listeners may not be aware of our relationship with, and I say our because I'm on the board, 
our relationship with Hillsdale College. Yeah, classical education, some might know it as liberal arts education or traditional. It is based in the idea that uh, children learn uh, cultural literacy through information, through reading classic literature, historical texts. Uh, Hillsdale College has put together a wonderful program where they have given us a list of all of the great books, all of the wonderful curriculum that's out there to be used in our schools and the sequence in which they should be learned. Um, but classical education is not just you know tied only to Hillsdale. It's really making a comeback across the country because people have recognized that learning explicit phonics, explicit grammar, getting back to the basics, the Singapore math, uh, it really works. It has worked for centuries, and it works now for our kids today. And that's what we're seeing in this resurgence of a classical model of education across the country. Oh, thank you, Erica. So uh, you also mentioned the uh, uh, Optima Foundation. What's the relationship there? Well, the Optima Foundation was started to start up schools because many people don't know a charter school, once it's open, it's funded just like a district school would be through state dollars. There's there's a differential there where they're not getting all of the money that districts get, but primarily they're funded through state dollars for each student that attends. Mm -hmm. However, there's two years of startup money that's needed for that charter school, about a million dollars per school that has to come from private funding. And so the Optima Foundation goes out and looks for donors to help fund that million dollars to get these schools up and running. Once they're up and running, they're primarily dependent upon the state dollars. So that's the role of the Optima Foundation. And of course, the need in many cases is a community where uh, community members can't necessarily afford the money to start the school. So it's an important component of what's going on. Uh, and uh, what is the, the website there is Optima.Foundation, Optima.Foundation yes, is the website. That's correct. And people who are interested in getting involved in that mission, please go to the website, Optima.Foundation. You can donate on the website if you would like to, um, or you can contact us and tell us how you would like to get involved. We love to do events, you know, small lunches or meet and greets where we can tell people in the community about our mission get them involved in what we're doing. And frankly, we need to fund these two Lee County schools that we're opening where in Lee County, the Fort Myers area, they were delayed because of the hurricane. Sure. There's so much interest from parents and, and really desperation for a classical option that is really not available in that community at all. Before I let you go, Erica, could you uh, elaborate and talk a little bit about virtual, uh, the tools that you have right now to help uh, kids and uh, students learn uh, virtually? Yeah, you know, because of the pandemic, we had to create a classical online option. And at the end of the pandemic, when we all went back to school, we had families who said, can you continue this online option for us? We want our kids to learn from home classically in the manner that we've been doing. Uh, so we converted that into Optima Academy Online, which is now available to any student in Florida tuition free. So where we can't build a building and raise a million dollars to get started, you know, many rural communities where they don't have access to classical education, students can access Optima Academy online and get a classical education virtually. Uh, live learning in VR, uh, that scares some people, but it actually is very engaging for the student as compared to a Zoom lesson. Uh, in VR, they can actually interact with their teacher and other students 
and they can go to Independence Hall and the other 200 locations that we've built uh, to get their live learning. But it's a great option, and it's allowing us to go to other states with this classical education that we wouldn't be able to expand to if we were only doing brick-and-mortar schools. So that's available at OptimaAcademy.online. And again, it's tuition-free for any student in Florida and now in Arizona as well. So there's so much to it, a lot of information. <clears throat> Just let me refer you to OptimaEd.com, uh, I believe it is. Yes, that's the OptimaEd website, again, where uh, that classical <clears throat> education is being expanded beyond the schools that the foundation has been able to start up. And then again, Optima.Foundation to uh, provide support and get involved in uh, school choice here in the state of Florida. Uh, again, I just, Eric, I just appreciate the work that you're doing, uh, not only for the students, but also for the state of Florida and for all of us. Thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Thank you, Bob. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. My pleasure indeed, Erica. All right, coming up, I'm going to be visiting with Phil Kirpin. He is the president of American Commitment. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. <laughs> Gain the skills you want so you'll be in demand by employers. That's what Hodges University's workforce readiness is all about. Choose your specialty from EV technician, automation, robotics, real estate, insurance, and electronics, to programming boot camps, supply chain management, and more. These classes are online, affordable, and focused on what you need to know. Learn more today by visiting Hodges.edu and clicking on Workforce Readiness. Because with Hodges University, you'll stay near and go far. Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me and he'll help you too. Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. I remind you that Lulubee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center serves and has for years great breakfast and lunch. Now serving dinner Wednesday through Saturday, 4 to 8 p.m. The menu's great. It's inexpensive. It's fantastic. And it's uh, informal. And you don't need a reservation. Again, Lulubee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Professor Larry Bell. Right now we have with us Phil Kirpin. He is the president of American Commitment. Phil, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you, Phil. Tell us about American Commitment. 
We are a national free market advocacy group. We work uh, really on all the fiscal, economic, and regulatory issues, and we try to uh, jump into the fights uh, that are on the margin, where the outcome is in doubt, and a little bit more citizen education and mobilization can make the outcome and uh, get some more free market uh, outcomes. Uh, the All the stuff's on the website, AmericanCommitment.org. AmericanCommitment.org. Phil, you uh, published... Uh, uh, a column in the in the Hill a poll shows 80% of older voters concerned prescription drug reform will hurt drug innovation. It uh, comments did just a number of things. A very, uh, I think, outstanding survey. Maybe you can tell us about it. Yeah, you know, last year uh, we had another one of these rounds of a federal health care debate, and uh, unfortunately it went the same way a lot of them have over the last, uh, you know, decade and a half, which is uh, AARP came in the room as the 800-pound gorilla, and they uh, threw their weight around and misrepresented what seniors wanted and seniors thought, and uh, they were able to get something enacted that advanced uh, their organizational interests and the interests of their corporate partners, but really was pretty harmful uh, for the country and for seniors. And so what we wanted to do is uh, find out uh, what older voters think. And we asked uh, McLaughlin and Associates to design a sample for a survey that would be large enough to tell us with, uh, you know, st- within, you know, meaningful statistical range what older voters overall think, but also specifically what AARP members think. And so it's a pretty large survey. And uh, we asked a lot of questions, both about the Inflation Reduction Act, uh, so-called, as well as about AARP and its relationship with United Health, and the one that uh, the Hill chose the headline, I think, was was maybe one of the most interesting results that we got, which uh, basically showed that older voters were not buying what AARP and the Democrats and the media were saying about the central purpose of the prescription drug provisions of the Inflation Reduction Act, which was you know the idea that people would pay less, and yet they would not get less. They would get just as many prescription drugs as ever, but they would pay a lot less for them. We actually found that older voters did, don't believe that at all. Uh, they think that they're going to, they, oh, they overwhelmingly think that there are going to be fewer new drugs and treatments because of the price control slashing, uh, the amount of money that's spent on prescription drugs in Medicare in that bill. Eighty percent, in fact, think there are going to be fewer new cures and treatments. And uh, they also don't think they're going to pay less. In fact, uh, they think they're going to end up paying more, personally. Fifty-five percent of older voters said they, they think they're going to pay more for prescription drugs after this bill passed. Only 14 percent think they're going to pay less. And so there's a total disconnect between the way this bill was covered and the way the views of older voters were represented and uh, what we found when we surveyed them. You know, it just it, it strikes me that we're just seeing a growing skepticism of uh, towards the government and and their programs, uh, not only among uh, older people, but uh, just the gener- the population in general. Yeah, well, I think that um, I think people have learned over and over that they get promised certain things uh, and they they don't happen. The opposite often happens. Right. And so there is a lot of skepticism, and it's deserved. I think. Yeah, and so uh, the, one of the things that uh, they should be skeptical about, in my opinion, is about uh, many people think about the AARP as serving people 55 and over to watch out for their interests and so forth. There's a lot of evidence that that's not necessarily the case. Maybe you can tell us about it. Yeah, well, the, um, the primary source of revenue 
for AARP is not membership dues. It hasn't been for a long time. It's corporate royalty payments, and uh, they, they bring in about a billion dollars a year in corporate royalty payments. About 80% of that comes from one company. About $800 million a year comes from their relationship with United Health. And the way that that works is uh, they essentially take a 5% skim off the top of the premiums of all of the United Health insurance products that are ARP branded. So the, the United Health Medigap supplemental policies, the Medicare Advantage policies, and the Medicare Part D prescription drug plans. These are very popular plans, and, you know, every month people pay their premiums. United takes 5% off the top. They send that to AARP. That's the principal revenue source uh, for AARP. Now, that creates a significant problem, a significant conflict of interest issue, which is AARP actually makes more money when Medicare premiums are higher mm -hmm. rather than uh, when they are lower because their principal source of revenue is that 5%. And so you may have noticed that they never talk about premiums or other insurance costs because uh, you know insurance is sort of how their uh, bread is buttered, which is why they've been totally, you know, single-mindedly obsessed with prescription drugs, which, you know, look, uh, older voters are concerned about the cost of prescription drugs, but our survey, as well as AARP's own survey, showed that that was sort of down the list of their concerns. The principal concerns are insurance-related costs, co-pays and deductibles and premiums, and AARP never talks about that for the simple reason that uh, they're sort of in the insurance business. And by the way, you know, the sort of the genius of the, of the sort of the evil genius, I would suggest, of the way this is all set up, they don't call that 5% a commission, because if they called it a commission, they'd have to comply with all the state insurance regulations. Instead, they say, we're just licensing our intellectual property and collecting a royalty uh, of, of 5%, and, uh, you know, that way they don't have to comply with any of the insurance rules and regulations. United's the one selling the policy, and uh, they're just uh, collecting a royalty for the use of their name. And uh, this is, uh, there have been many lawsuits, and they beat them all. So they've got great lawyers. They've, they've been figured out a way to set this up, but uh, it makes them highly conflicted when it comes to advocacy, and in particular, things like, you know, Inflation Reduction Act, and, you know, the, the idea that the you know, sort of the central idea of the bill, remember, is it took about two hundred eighty billion dollars out of Medicare prescription drug spending through government price setting, but it didn't keep it in Medicare and it didn't pass it on to seniors. It used it for you know solar and wind subsidies and electric vehicles and all of the other mm. pork that was larded into that bill. And when you ask seniors, you know, should AARP have supported this bill uh, when the savings from Medicare drug reforms were taken by politicians and spent on other things, 88% said they should not have supported it in our survey. 90% uh, were concerned that they, that they were trying to advance the interests of United Health rather than the interests of seniors. And probably the biggest number I have ever seen in a survey, Bob, 95% said there should be a disclosure requirement uh, when they engage in advertising and lobbying on you know, policy changes saying, that they make most of their money uh, from United Health, and uh, that, that's a pretty enormous number. I don't, I don't, I don't think 95% agree the sky is blue, but 95% <laughs> yeah. think that they should have to say where their money's coming from when they engage in advocacy. Well, as I recall, uh, AARP actually supported Obamacare 
uh, back in the day. So uh, AARP is... Bob, they supported Obamacare when the calls from their own members were going 14 to 1 against it. Yeah, so AARP is not your friend, in, in my opinion. I just, uh, I think for seniors, I think there needs to be reprogrammed. People need to understand that this... And, and by the way, it's totally illegal, in my opinion, that AARP can be getting commissions for United Healthcare uh, policies. Well, they call them royalties, but yeah, I mean, it's it's a pretty questionable arrangement. And you know, I, I've had some of our friends say, "Well, you know, it's a you know, it's a business arrangement. It's a free market." And I said, "Well, this is Medicare. <laughs> this is like a government. This is a government uh, program that they're selling these insurance products in." And you know, yeah, the, the the disclosure that they have is like some tiny fine print that says. You know, a, a royalty payment is sent to AARP. It doesn't say how much, and it doesn't say that it's not a one-time fee, but it's a percentage of premiums every month forever. You know, one of the things we asked about in our survey, because we keep seeing, you know, we keep seeing President Biden and all the Democrats say how horrible junk fees are on things like banking and your luggage fees at the airport and this kind of thing. Yeah. Well, we said, you know, do you think that, uh, you know, the 5% skim that AARP takes off the top of United Healthcare policies that have their branding. Do you think it's a junk fee? And seventy-four percent of seniors said yes. That is a junk fee. Yeah. So yeah, you know, it's pretty hard to defend. Uh, and if they're really looking out for your end, they could just say lower the premium by five percent instead of taking it off the top. And by the way, a lot of this money gets spent on politics. Right. Uh, you know, they don't say vote for or against this candidate because of their tax status, but they say so and so is a hero of the taxpayers and save and seniors and save Social Security and Medicare, and they do kind of the whole treatment. They do ads and events and all this kind of stuff. And you know, we did an analysis of their sort of political interventions last year, and there were about a hundred candidates, House and Senate, that they gave the loving treatment to. Uh, one of the hundred was a Republican, and it was a senator in Idaho, Mike Crapo, who had only a token opponent and was going to win anyway. So it, it, the, the money that they're taking and skimming off the top, they're using it for lobbying and advocacy that advances their business interests, but they're also using it really with only one side of the aisle. And if you're you know, on the other side of the aisle, you, you probably don't want your money going to that. Absolutely. Phil Kirpin, again, president of American Commitment. I encourage you to visit AmericanCommitment.org, AmericanCommitment.org. Phil, terrific interview. I really appreciate you coming on the show. Thanks for joining us. All right. Have a good one. You as well. Thank you. All right. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Professor Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston in space architecture. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. <laughs> Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. Do you have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. 
Rue Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Rue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining to choice are the popular Eden Bar, the intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's BlueProvenceNaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. ask yourself why people are the way they are. If you're fascinated by human behavior and you want to make a career of it, you know where you need to start? Hodges University with a bachelor's degree in applied psychology. Your professors are practicing professionals that bring your classes to life with life chat discussions and various projects. You know, having a deeper understanding of what motivates people can lead to careers in counseling, sales, human resources. Your passion can be your career. So get started today. What are you waiting for? Visit Hodges.edu or stop by their campus in Fort Myers. They're at the corner of Colonial and Winkler. Because with Hodges University, you're going to stay near and go far. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability. They help prepare elected officials to have a winning strategy in the legislature. You can find out more by visiting thefga.org. We have with us Professor Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston Space Architecture and author of many terrific books, his latest, Architectures Beyond Boxes and Boundaries, My Life by Design. He also writes his own column in Newsmax, uh, doc, uh, newsmax.com. It's uh, called On Point. Professor, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Bob, well, it's always a great pleasure. Thank you so much. My pleasure indeed, Professor. So your latest column, Hunter's Sweetheart Deal Reveals Loving Side of DOJ. <laughs> Maybe you can tell us about it. Yeah, this is... Uh part of a continuing saga, it seems, where the uh, justice system seems to really be warped to uh, be very one-sided politically, and uh, it's harder and harder to disguise this, and I think uh, it's, in a way, it's, you know, people are trying to realize it because it's touching upon issues they can understand, like like the IRS and tax issues and so on, and uh, and the, uh, you know, I think a lot of us were kind of hoping that this Delaware court, federal court uh, case, you know, looking at Hunter's uh, tax issues and gun issues and, and so on would be, you know, a legitimate investigation. And, uh, you know, it was turned out to be really a sweetheart deal. I think it's obvious to just everybody that that's the case, and uh, when you when you peel it back, you say, "Well, my gosh, what would happen to us if any of us if we had done done any of the same things?" Uh, you know, there were two years of uh, of uh, tax filings where you know the first of all you you take the 
investigation team, the IRS team, there were 13 members, and there were a couple of whistleblowers that, that disclosed the background on this, and they were removed from the case after more than five years of investigation. And they had previously come to the conclusion that that felony charges you know, should be filed against Hunter Biden for tax fraud and and uh, uh, for failing to be register as a as a foreign agent and, uh, and and other you know other other issues what they called you know the textbook case of obvious uh, issues on his filings yeah and and we we there would i think it was expectation that you know there would be some justice and then we see the hand slaps where when you when you when you look at you know what happened uh, their you know their recommendation prior to, to being removed was that that he uh, be charged as a unregistered foreign agent and that uh, you know he you know, criminal tax violations and so on and just he gets a misdemeanor hand slap and they hoped it would go away and and obviously it hasn't gone away and 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 what's what's particularly uh, troubling about this a lot of the interest in this case with Hunter really wasn't Hunter at all it was really looking at the, the questions about kickbacks of foreign money influence spending money directly to Joe Joe right. Biden and uh, and it seems like that was really a, a cover up where the investigation team was instructed stay away from Joe Biden you know don't don't you know anyone who uh, goes in that direction is gonna you know have a a big career upset and so on and it's it's ugly it's so disappointing in fact uh, the uh, these agents who are speaking out uh, whistleblowers they the, the treatment that they're getting is actually appalling i mean it's against uh, the rules regulations and laws that that we have here in the united states it's just really appalling indeed and you know, the evidence is so clear that hunter biden was representing joe biden in uh in shaking down so many people around the world uh, it's like uh, apparently 30 or 40 million dollars well there's another chapter that's opening on this as well let me look at this uh this whistleblower and uh, gal gal luft you know israeli american who, who has really strong uh, credentials and uh, with the intelligence community and so on. Yeah. Trip in Washington, D.C. And now they indict him. He wants to come forward and testify about the, most particularly about, you know, this, uh, the kickbacks from CEFC, this Chinese uh, energy company that's uh, controlled by the Communist Party in China, where... And you know, they're he's indicted now, you know, to because of you know, his alleged. You know, actually, there he, he had some donations from CEFC, the same the same organization that was kicking back to Hunter, and uh, and you, know, you have to wonder about that. Where you know they're trying to discredit him now, mm -hmm. and 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 uh, 
the House Oversight Committee wants to wants him as a witness because uh, he's got inside knowledge about you know the the, the so-called ten percent uh, set aside for Joe Biden for the, you know the big guy by the same organization that uh, that uh, uh, Luft is 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 accused of being uh, too uh, connected to, and uh, so it's it's really uh, 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 a big yarn ball. I think that is unraveling right now, and it's going to be interesting to see where it goes. Yeah, this uh, guy from Israel, uh, Luft, is such a credible witness, and it just it just stinks to I having to think that right now the. Uh, federal government is starting to make charges against him to prevent him from testifying. My goodness, that's obstruction of justice, of nothing else. Professor, I always appreciate your commentary here on the show. I'm going to encourage our listeners to go to Newsmax.com and check out your column on point. Also, Architectures Beyond Boxes and Boundaries, My Life by Design by Professor Larry Bell. Professor, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. And Bob, thank you. My pleasure indeed. Well, that's a wrap here on today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. We've got great guests for Monday's show, including Mark Schulman, the founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. Mark Watkins, Devin Watkins, I should say, is uh, with the Competitive Enterprise Institute to talk about a very interesting study they've just completed. And Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief and author of Many Murder Mysteries, will be joining us as well. I hope you make it a great day and weekend on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. Thanks so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com.